I was probably seven or eight years old and had been swimming a few years when we went to the beach. And those days I loved the pool more than I loved the ocean. And there was this huge high dive. Uh, and so after watching for a while and mustering up my courage, I got in line to get on the high dive. And my time came and I began the long ascent up the ladder. And in the same manner as Sir Edmund Hillary climbing Mount Everest, up I went slowly. And the higher that I went, the harder my knees knocked <laughs> and my palms ached. Some of you know this sensation. There were teens behind me, big frightening teenagers, saying, Go on! Hurry up! Line behind you! You know. So I got to the top. There's no going back now. <laughs> and maybe it's not this scenario, but we all have similar moments to which we can relate. And those points of no return so to speak. And this morning we're going to see one for Jesus in Matthew, Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, we'll start there at verse 1. What's going on? Jesus and the disciples, they're traveling and they head through the grain fields and it's on the Sabbath day and the disciples, they get hungry and, and they begin to pick the heads of grain and they're eating them and and the Pharisees, love the Pharisees, they see this and they say to Jesus, Look, your disciples do what is not lawful to do on a Sabbath. So what's the problem here? Well, Jesus and the disciples, they, you know, they're walking, they're hungry, they start picking the heads of grain and rolling them and breaking it, they're eating them. And, and the Pharisees, they're watching and they think they've got Jesus at last. Entrapment. And the Pharisees, they're referring, this idea of what's not lawful on the Sabbath, they're referring to a couple of things. And one is way back in Exodus when, when the Lord visits Moses and the Israelites at Sinai. And, and that's one of the Ten Commandments, to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And, and God gives them some more information there in Exodus he says this, Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day, that's a Sabbath of the Lord your God, and in it you shall, do, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male, your female servant, or your cattle, or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. And therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So the Pharisees, they, that's what they're locked in on that. And they point that out to Jesus quickly. Letter of the law. But they're also thinking of something else. And this is one that maybe some of us have never heard. We've probably heard of the Ten Commandments, but this is another thing. Later on in Numbers, there's a man, he's, he's out working on the Sabbath. He's gathering wood. And, and he's brought to Moses and Aaron. 
and they put him in custody because nobody knows really what to do with him. It's kind of like, I, I don't want to quote Barney Fife, remember Citizens, or Gomer, Citizens Arrest, Citizens Arrest. But anyway, somebody finds this guy out, brings him to Moses and Aaron, and they don't really know what to do. But the Lord says to Moses, The man shall surely be put to death, and all the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. Well, to our ears, that sounds, that sounds a little something, doesn't it? That's a little extreme. But this is a story that the Pharisees are referring to, to what they're referring, where someone wasn't really prepared for the Sabbath, and we don't know why. And, and God said to do all the labor on six days. The man didn't do the labor and all his work in six days. And, and for the Lord to bring judgment of this nature, somebody did not follow directions. And this man did the direct opposite. Do we ever do the opposite of what we're told? The Pharisees have these in their mind. And so when they come at Jesus, they're saying, Aha! Jesus and the disciples, they've finally done it, and we've got him. Letter of the law. But Jesus says this, there in verse 3, Have you not read what David did when he became hungry? Jesus very gracious. David did this when he was hungry. He and the companions... There in verse 4, how he entered the house of God and they ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those with him, but for the priests alone. So Jesus responds with Scripture. And, and in 1 Samuel, Jesus points to this story about David. David's in the wilderness, he and his men... And they're in this area called Nob. They enter the house of God and he meets the priest. And the priest says, why are you alone and no one with you? Because the men are hiding out. And David says this. He says, the king's commissioned me with a matter and said to me, let no one know anything about the matter on which I'm sending you and with which I've commissioned you and I've directed the young men to a certain place. See, David and his men, are, they're on this secret mission. And David says, what do you have on hand? We're hungry. And Give me five loaves of bread or whatever can be found. Well, the priest responds to David and, and he says, there's no ordinary bread on hand, but there's consecrated bread. And, and this is bread that's set aside for tabernacle worship. Um, not unlike what we have as communion bread, it's, it's not exactly the same, but you get the picture. The priest says this, the young men can only eat this bread if they've kept themselves from women. David replies, Well, surely women have been kept from us, as previously when I set out in the vessels, the bodies of the young men were holy. Though it was an ordinary journey, how much more than today will their vessels be holy? So David is kind of saying between the lines, You know, we've been on a mission. <laughs> When would we have had the opportunity or the time to be with any women? The priest gives David this consecrated bread. There's no bread there but the bread of the presence. The priest gives David and his men this bread. So all that to say this. Jesus, the son of David, refers to King David as his response these Pharisees. And, and, and the question really is, 
What's more important, sticking to the letter of the law or dealing with the hunger of men? The heart of the passage, the heart of this passage this morning, for this part of it, is is a restatement that we see Jesus actually say in the Gospel of Mark. Is the Sabbath made for man, or is man made for the Sabbath? Jesus says this in verse 5. He says, Have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple break the Sabbath and are innocent? And, 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 and Jesus points to a scripture in Leviticus that, that says in this, in this tabernacle worship that every Sabbath day the priest is going to set this bread before the Lord continually and, and it's an everlasting covenant and it's going to be for Aaron and his sons and they will eat it in the holy place for it's most holy to him from the Lord's offerings by fire, his portion forever. You know, it's all of this, all of this ritual language. And, and Jesus does this not simply to show the Pharisees that he understands the law and the prophets, the Old Testament. Jesus is not emphasizing the law but he's emphasizing how the law is to serve man. The question is not, it's not asked, but it's implied, is the Sabbath made for man or man made for the Sabbath? And Jesus crosses the line. He says this in verse 6 to the Pharisees, but I say to you, something greater than the temple is here. Something greater than the temple. Something greater than religious tradition. In essence, Jesus is presenting himself as greater than the temple. And, and rather than observing these temple rites and laws and sacrifices that, we, that I've just taken time and pointed to, some of these things back in the Old Testament, Jesus is now going to be the sole access to the Father. No more rites and and. No more of these sacrificial, ritual type of things that you've seen. Jesus is going to be the sole access. And and then Jesus says this in verse 7. If you had known what this means, that I desire compassion and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent. Jesus desires compassion. He doesn't desire ritual. He doesn't desire sacrifice. And and we see this way back in, in the book of Hosea. God says this, I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice, in the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. So rather than these temple rites and laws and sacrifices to have an encounter with God, rather than having to listen to the Pharisees, Jesus is going to be the sole access to the Father. And He does this by dealing with our sins by going to the cross. The cross central to who we are. We are a people that deal with sin. And Jesus is our access to the Father. Thanks be to God that He is, that we don't have this idea of all of this, these regulations and something greater than the temple is here. Thanks be to God. And, and, and Jesus says this. He says in verse 8, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Amen. Is hunger the main issue here? No. The hunger of the disciples is not the issue. The Lord in the Old Testament instituted the Sabbath. 
instituted the temple. And the Lord God gave the law, and Jesus did not come to abolish the law and the prophets. He did not come to abolish the Old Testament. He tells us in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 that He didn't come to abolish it. He came to fulfill it. And Jesus is the Son of Man, fulfilling the purpose of the Sabbath and the temple. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, and He's greater than the temple. And Jesus, by saying this, by pointing this out to the Pharisees, Jesus is aligning Himself with God. Friends, there's no going back with that kind of language. Jesus, up, up until now, up until now in these kingdom encounters, we've seen Jesus counter questions of the Pharisees about healing and hanging out with tax collectors and all these kinds of things. At this point, Jesus crosses the line. Jesus, there is no going back. No going back. And it says that he departs from there and he goes to the synagogue. Man, he's just looking for trouble, isn't he? <laughs> A man was there whose hand is withered. And the Pharisees, they questioned Jesus, asking, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And your Bible say this, so that they might accuse him. The Pharisees. They are classy individuals. They are now exploiting a situation. They are exploiting a crippled man to simply to try to prove a point for the sole purpose and entrapment of Jesus. And, and this is what happens. Jesus says to them there in verse 11, What man is there among you who has a sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will he not take hold of it and lift it out? Jesus points once again to property laws found in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy 22, you, you can't see your countryman's ox or his sheep straying away and pay no attention to them. You've got to bring them back to the countryman. Uh, if, if your countryman is not home, you bring them to your house and you keep them until your countryman comes looking for them. You shall do this with his donkey, his garment... Anything lost by your countrymen, you are not allowed to neglect them. You can't see... And, and, then, and then in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 4, the Lord says this, You shall not see your countryman's donkey or his ox falling down on the way, and you can't and pay no attention to them. You've got to help your neighbor raise them up. So Jesus is saying that it's not only important to help one's neighbor with property retrieval... It's an imperative. Jesus is countering all of this tribal language, all of, these, all of these, all this language with words of the Lord. And then he says this. He delivers the checkmate. Verse 12. How much more valuable then is a man than a sheep? So then it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. The Pharisees, they ask, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? exploiting someone. And Jesus says, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath because people are more valuable than property. Jesus says to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretches it out 
and it is restored to normal, just like the other one. The Lord God instituted the Sabbath and its restrictions to help man. Sabbath is made for the man, not the other way around. Jesus, the Son of God, the fulfillment of the Sabbath, helps the man with the withered hand because this is about compassion, not sacrifice. It's about compassion. And Jesus' healing act provides an answer capped off with an exclamation point to this question that's raised by the Pharisees. Look at 14. The Pharisees went out and conspired against him as how they might destroy him. There is no going back for Jesus now. There's no going back. And, and Jesus, he's aware of this. He withdraws from there and many follow him. He heals them all. But he warns them not to tell who he is because Jesus' time to be revealed, his time to be revered on Palm Sunday, his, his time to be arrested and crucified is not yet. And this is to fulfill, look at 17, what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, Behold my servant in whom I've chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. Well pleased, we've seen that before, haven't we? The last few weeks. I will put my spirit on him and he shall proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A battered reed he will not break off and a smoldering wick he will not put out until he leads justice to victory and in his name the Gentiles will hope. This is a prophecy from Isaiah 42 and Jesus is the fulfillment of that prophecy. Jesus is compassion for, for the hurting. He's... He, he's he brings healing. The Sabbath. What did Jesus say at the end of last week? Come to me all who are weary and I will give you what? Rest. Jesus is our Sabbath. He's our Sabbath. It's in this story... When Jesus crosses the line, he has made the Pharisees mad, he's embarrassed them, he's corrected them, and when they exploit a crippled man, Jesus heals him to their faces, and they conspire to destroy him. There's no going back. And I mean, what happens when we have a kingdom encounter? like the Pharisees. When we realize who He is, when we realize that Jesus shatters every preconception that we might have, maybe we've built strongholds in our lives. Strongholds of our worship. Strongholds with which to keep Him out. Maybe not intentionally like the Pharisees, but maybe without being fully aware, but in the same way, maybe we've done some similar things. And, and it's, maybe it's not heads of grain that we get all worked up about. Maybe it's something else about our lives or our routines that, that Jesus points out. Jesus shows us where maybe we've missed the point. 
Unlike the Pharisees, maybe it's not being afraid of breaking Sabbath law. Maybe it's having a conviction challenged, maybe or a preference addressed, or for, for what it really is, a, a comfort. Not necessarily conviction. I, I was talking to a friend of mine on Friday. We use the word conviction a lot. And a lot of times it's when we want to give our personal preferences a baptism, you know. But when Jesus pulls out all the stops and he heals someone or something or provides a kingdom encounter that we we can't ignore, do we yield to him? Do we yield to him? Or do we conspire against him? I mean, the very nerve of Jesus to challenge my way of thinking, my way of life. There comes in our lives moments when we are faced with kingdoms, kingdom encounters, choices, and will we nervously grasp for or cling to or hold fast to what is comfortable and familiar, or do we step forward? Or do we go back? We have the table this morning, and in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was faced with a choice. When he was, when he was arrested, he was faced with a choice. He was beaten. You know, he was mocked. He carried the cross to Calvary. Faced with a choice. When he was taunted to come down off the cross to save himself. He didn't go back. Thanks be to God. He didn't go back. And this was to fulfill what God would do through him. To draw all men, all Gentiles, all nations to him. Bringing salvation to all that would trust in what he did on the cross. And, and we will remember that this morning. You know, he still breaks the bonds of religious hypocrisy, doesn't he? And he still heals. Whether it be a withered hand or a wounded heart, Jesus still saves. And he forgives sin. 